0: kick it off well welcome everybody today is saturday june 19th in the year 2021 and this is get smarter and make stuff the podcast uh, today i am super excited to have on a guest who was on my initial list of people i wanted to talk to uh, it's quite a long list of people i'd like to talk to eventually but um my guest today was somebody that i put on there right at the very beginning uh, he's also happens to be a close personal friend of mine uh, and I think actually might be the first guest we've had on who was not also a guest on my previous podcast when I was at <laughs> Cognitech, but that's okay because um, we're going to talk today about a bunch of stuff. As always, we will talk about, um, you know, getting smarter and making stuff. We might journey sideways into some stuff that maybe isn't quite under that aegis, but I think it's going to be super fascinating. I am uh, talking a lot, but I should really introduce my guest. Uh, welcome to the show, Andrew Ellers.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks, Craig.
0: Yeah, no, it's great to have you here. Uh, so, you know, I mean, it, you, one of the reasons that you were a natural for um, me to have on the show is that, you know, you and I have been friends uh, for a long time, uh, in mm-hmm. part by virtue of the fact that um, our families are sort of, you know, uh, they, that we really get along. So we have, we both have two daughters. The, the daughters get along, our wives get along, and, um, you know, our kids have been in school together for a long time. Um, but as a result of that, or, you know, as a consequence of that, I suppose, um, you and I have actually spent a lot of time together making things um, yeah including the tree house out in the back of my <laughs> uh, yard which is uh, yes. was was a big project it took us about a year and a half the uh, the table in your dining room was another one that took us two years so yeah we we don't work fast but we do work <laughs> well together um, so anyway so I think there's a lot of things that we could talk about along those lines but you know I, I mean this show is pretty pretty casual um I I guess maybe I'll just I'll just throw it to you to pick, you know, whatever is interesting to you in the realm of stuff you have made or are making or would like to make. Same thing for learning or or really anything because it's my show and we can sure. talk
1: about whatever I want. So, yeah, go throw it to you. Well, maybe uh, I can talk about two projects that are we, – we worked on one specifically together. You mentioned it, the, uh, the table, which is a mm-hmm. cherry wood table. And then my current project, um, which is a eleven foot hollow core wooden stand up paddleboard. Yes, and I think the what's what's great about these two projects and talking about them is, um, and I've I've talked to you about this before. Is in the all my projects, including the table, have been about trying to get wood as straight and flat as possible. <laughs> and the stand up paddleboard is the opposite. It's about bending wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is something I've never done before, and at least in any sort of uh, meaningful way. Um, I've bent wood by leaving it out and getting it warped, <laughs> but you know, now right. I want it to warp. So you know, a stand up a paddleboard is a very organic sort of form, and uh, so uh, and I've oh man, talk about learning a lot. We, I learned a lot with the table. Um, yeah, me too. We can go we can go on forever on that. Sure, yeah, and, totally. And I've just this whole this. Um, paddleboard has been a whole new learning experience again uh, and, and to, to boil it all down about how to bend wood <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and do it, uh, in a way that, that works. Um, and I've had some, some pretty spectacular failures, mm-hmm. uh, and some pretty, and lately some, some good successes. So, uh, it's been, it's, uh, two, two neat projects.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I've been following. I mean, unfortunately, you know, due to the circumstances of the last year with the COVID, the pandemic, you and I have not been able to um, get together in in person, indoors, and do the you know types of uh, projects that we previously had done. Um, So, I've been following your progress only through kind of the reports that you give me when we get together. Um, And and but both of those projects, I think, are great topics to talk about. Um, And whichever order you would like to tackle them in is is fine by me. So, yeah, tell tell us more about these projects.
1: Okay, well, the uh, so let's start with the table, because that's okay. the um, the older project, I should say, and um, I think we started in, and uh, Craig, uh, for the audience, uh, it, this was a both both of us working together project, I was the benefactor because I got the product at the end, um, but I think we started in winter, and the whole point was to make a table for, we have a sunroom on the back of and we needed I was using a folding table uh, as sort of a nice table, uh, not nice, a table to sit in. So I thought, well, I want a, a nice farm table. It was the point was not that it was perfect, but sort of like a farm table that's, um, you know, beefy and um, looks good. But, you know, there's there's a few flaws here almost almost as part of the program. So um again we st- I think we started in fall and the intent was that when the sunroom in spring was open that's when the table would be done. Mm-hmm. Uh and as you mentioned 2 years later <laughs> it was done. Definitely um my favorite uh term of, is um I think it's called Hotsteller's law Is you know a project will take twice as long as you think it will even if you take into account Hotsteller's law. <laughs> right yes. And that is that is the The epitome of any project that I take on is it takes four times as long as I account, even when I'm accounting for taking twice as long. So anyway, uh, but um, and the challenge there, of course, it's a table, is to, um, and basically it's cherry wood, and I can't remember if it's, uh, help me out here, Craig, not 410, or how do you, how do you. Thickness Uh, was a
0: four quarter. Like, yeah, it was like six, six quarter, eight, maybe even some of it was eight quarters. So yeah. So lumber.
1: Yeah. I think it was, we started with eight quarter and, um, it was rough, rough hewn. So we had to get it down to, we had to get it flat and we had to get it smooth. Right. And that took a lot of work. Um, and, um, we had one adventure where, um, so I come as I think, all of our parents generation i come from the power tool generation or i was trained from the power tool generation so using things like hand planes and stuff was sort of um foreign to me so well right cuz neither one of us owned a like fully functional
0: table saw i don't have one at all and you have you have a, a yeah, rather I, older one that wasn't really up to the task which
1: is scary yeah it's a little
0: <laughs> scary yeah i mean i find them all scary but that one's particularly scary
1: yeah so, um, so at one point I was like, ah, oh, you know, I don't know how to do this. So we had one adventure where we took the boards down to, uh, a, a more advanced hobbyist who had a, a, a table sander. A oh yeah. This guy, oh, man. he, he yeah. had
0: a palace of tools, right? He had rented he, he some. He did. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, um, so <laughs> anyway, unfortunately, halfway through the, uh, sanding process that he was doing for us the sander broke
0: yeah this was uh, a it was a, a wide belt drum sander i think it was like 36 right. inches wide or something like that yeah yeah, yeah yeah it was impressive
1: so it was impressive but he he all of his tools he had gotten secondhand he had this giant bandsaw that he got from the old wood shop at fort Belvoir, which is the army fort uh army installation not too far from here when their wood shop had shut down but he had this belt table, what do you call it? Drum sander. Drum mm-hmm. sander is the right word. And uh, anyway, it kept breaking down. Finally it broke down. But um, anyway, so we've I we finally had to I finally had to learn how to plane with a yes.
0: plane. I just uh, so if I can jump in there for one second. Yeah. I, I remember this so this this journey to this he had rented like a like an industrial bay and he had filled it with all these tools and it was pretty amazing, but I remember you know, the idea was you could bring your stuff there, and he would, you know, help you with this. But I remember watching him jockey one of these. So an eight quarter board is two inches thick. So this was a two mm-hmm. inch thick piece of cherry, which is a hardwood that's relatively dense. They were probably, you know, twelve inches wide, and then you know, close to eight feet long. So it probably weighed like what seventy five pounds. Yeah, each board? It,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: And this guy is, I mean. I mean, he was not the biggest guy in the room, you know, between the three of us. Yeah. He was a fairly small, little bit older than us, even. I remember watching him muscle one of these 75 pound boards across the joiner. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the only time I think I've ever stepped in to stop somebody from using one of their own tools.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was, it was scary. <laughs> I couldn't
0: watch him do it. He was like leaning into this thing. And I'm like, dude, if you lose your if you lose your grip on this, you're going to fall right into these rotating Ugh. blades. It was terrifying. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, but we, was. we got through it. We got your boards, you know, yeah. relatively straight and flat, at least on one edge. And then like you were saying, then, right. then you had to, to get the edges straight. And for that, we decided to use hand planes.
1: Yeah. And that, that eventually worked. I mean, it, it took a while. And yeah, I will say this. Um, if you have a, a plane that is set up, right. On wood that is set up bright, there is nothing more satisfying than yes. planing wood. I could I could sit and plane, just turn a board into shavings all yeah. day long, and be it's like Zen or something. I it don't really know, is. But, it even makes um, a
0: nice sound.
1: It does. It yeah. does, and it's just so satisfying. Um, so anyway, that was a great experience, and we finally. That that was the tabletop, and then yes. the the experience of the legs was doing um, um, oh, it's escaped me
0: through tenon joinery, tenon, is that tenon, yeah, yeah
1: joinery, and again something I had never done before, and um, had to learn how to use chisels and yep. um, and get it all sort of straight. Um, but that was fantastic, you know. And there's just a lot of satisfaction when you when you get it mostly right
0: <laughs> yeah no i mean it's like any project it's not perfect but uh yeah that you you've been at that table you know eating with your family on and mm-hmm. off or whenever you use that one instead of the other one yep. for, for for several years now and it, i I'm, every time i come over which has unfortunately been a long time now i actually go and visit it <laughs> like i gotta go look at it
1: <laughs> it's it's it really is i'm i'm really proud of it and, and and you have uh i have to thank you a lot for it but it's it's really great i would say the only major flaw I'll call it a major flaw is it's just a little bit too high
0: yeah it isn't it funny so, <laughs> is yeah this is an interesting thing I mean um I experienced the same thing when I sit at it. it's not like a problem but you're sitting there you're like something's a little off and it's it's so fascinating to me that um things like countertops and tables and chairs they have very particular dimensions that yeah. are obviously driven by human anatomy. So, for instance, if you're yeah. sitting at a chair, your legs are going to want to be at 90 degrees. And if you're an inch higher, they might be at, you know, 80, your knee might be bent at 80 degrees. And you will perceive that as being somehow off. Um, it doesn't, I, fortunately, we got it close enough that it's yeah. completely yeah. reasonable. But, but isn't it, because it's, it's maybe what? maybe an inch off of I think what so. you would expect.
1: Yeah. And I, we have two other tables, mass produced tables. And so I measured them to figure out what the height was. Yeah. Cause I'd never even thought of again, just like you said, that this is sort of a human thing that the height of the table and somewhere I mismeasured. I think what it is, is I was enamored with the thickness of wood. And so the thicker uh-huh. it was the, and so the feet, um, <laughs> right. We uh, got
0: the underside of the table right.
1: Yeah. So the feet <laughs> are thicker than I think I planned for. And the tabletop itself, I think, is thicker. And so that ended up being maybe an inch or, at the most, an inch and a half. But there's this little sense that you're a third grader sitting <laughs> right. at an adult's table. <laughs> yeah. it's, I'm, I'm making a little bit much of it because no, it, of course, it's, yeah. it's fine. And, but there's a reason there's cushions on the chairs that I bought for it because it it holds you up at least another half an inch to get you almost to, uh, almost to adult table. (laughs) So anyway, so that was the, that was the, um, the, the cherry wood table. And again, um, it was fantastic. Um, one of the things also I have to say is a discovery that you made, I think, and gave to me is, um, My intention with the cherry wood table was to stain it a reddish color. Mm -hmm. And all through the project, you kept saying, don't stain it, don't (laughs) stain it, don't stain it. And honestly, finishing is one of the things I hate to do.
0: Yeah, you Um, and every other woodworker practically.
1: Yeah, because, well, for one thing, I just don't want to ruin it. After you've put all the work in and then you screw up the finishing, you know.
0: Yeah, the the uh, pressure ratchets up right the closer you get to the finish line.
1: Yeah. So you, you uh, told me about true oil, uh, mm-hmm. which is a, as I understand, it's a gun stock finish. something to you, you know, if you're a somebody who likes to um, you're into guns, rifles that have a wooden stock, this is something you use to, to finish that and um, didn't stain it. Just put true oil on it and it has this beautiful orange cherry luster to it now that's just fantastic and and by the way true oil is just super easy
0: yeah it's good you know, stuff
1: throw it on wipe it off yep th- and re- rinse and repeat for you know i think i probably did on the tabletop i think i did five or six coats on the bottom i did only one or two yeah anyway it was fantastic so anyway that was it was a couple of things i learned there it was uh Fun project. really. Well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll have to put some pictures up of, uh, of that and the, uh, and the tree house, um, which, um, absolutely. We have so many I mean, things to talk about and we can maybe loop around to that one later, but, uh, the tree house was a super fun project that you helped. And then we put a lot of hours into that thing. And I, I really appreciate your help. So I hope people don't think that, um, even though you've been very generous with your, with your, you know your praise for my time. It's not like I didn't get it out of you. We, we put in many, <laughs> many, many hours on this treehouse, which is ridiculously over-designed. And uh, we'll put some pictures up and people can, can laugh at my, um, eyes being bigger than my stomach on that one.
1: <laughs> well, you know, this all started with your idea and I, you and I were talking about how we have all these projects that we right. never, never get to. Yeah. And you had the idea and it, usually it, Needed another person, at least one other person to help, and you had the idea of, well, why don't we just schedule some time? <laughs> yeah, and so I think we did every. Our plan was kind of once a month. Was it? It was every. Uh,
0: th- it was every week for a while, and then it was that was too much as the as the kids' uh, activities ratcheted up.
1: Yeah, and then we went
0: to every three weeks, and then the kids' activities ratcheted up again, <laughs> and now it's never.
1: <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, but um, I mean and we rotated your, your yep. it was your project one week and it was my project the next week. And that was fantastic. I mean, <laughs> yeah, so uh, we moved into our house. Uh, it's been now f- close to 15 years, 13, 13, years. And I'd always, there was a bedroom that I'd always said I was going to repaint. And it, we'd been moved in for five years and had done nothing. And that was just a great way to do it was just, okay, we're going to do a project every x number of weeks and that worked yeah we're yeah. uh we're in what my sister calls the tunnel she calls it it's it's the kid activity period in your life in which <laughs> there's yeah. no escaping the tunnel so yeah unfortunately our our project days have uh have not happened in a long time but uh I, we're we're actually starting to get towards the end of the tunnel here which is kind of scary. yes two years so.
0: until both of our older uh children will be all go as well, um, you know, attending college.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, anyway.
0: Yeah. um, So the project day thing, I think actually was recommended to me as an idea by one of our other guests. And as someone you've heard me talk about a lot, uh, Tim Ewald, who did the same thing with his brothers. And we both kind of observed the same thing that I think many people have noticed, which is that, um, there are many things that go more than twice as fast with two people.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Right. And so it's a great if you can find a buddy, uh, you know, a a partner for this kind of thing, you will get a lot done if if not not just because of the efficiency gains when there's more than one person, but also because, you know, if I know you're coming over on Saturday, I'm like, oh, gosh, I better get to Home Depot and buy (laughs) buy the paint, buy the wood, buy the tools, be ready so that when Andrew shows up, I'm not wasting his time. You know that that we would actually be doing um, productive work together, and that kind of uh, driver was, I think, for me at least, more than more than half of the benefit of us being able to do that. I look forward to. I hope you do too. I look forward to being able to go back and do that again yeah. as the family schedules allow some someday.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I would to add to your, you know, the the multiplying effect is also the skill sharing yes. that happens when. You know, for instance, again, I said I've never, i never done hand planing before, and I think you were a year or, or or maybe less, but you were a few months ahead of me on yeah. on the learning how to hand plane, and so instead of staring at YouTube for hours, um, <laughs> you know, you gave me a few pointers, and and away we went. So I think that that also is a is a benefit to doing the absolutely paired woodworking yep. or paired projecting.
0: Uh, (laughs) yeah and so now you've done steam bending it was one of the other projects you mentioned which is actually something I've never done and so you know I could well imagine uh you know when I get to a point where I have a project that requires it because it's a technique that I'd really like to try out at some point um Tim actually was on the show as well and he talked about the fact that as his woodworking has progressed a big thing that he's done is the same thing that you've done which is to move from mostly rectilinear forms to wanting to work with curved forms yeah um and so you know that's also kind of a transition i haven't made yet in part because uh, i've been all over the i've scattered all over the place i mean like metal <laughs> yeah. and pottery and you know, whatever but um but yeah the fact that you've done this steam bending is going to be something that i hope i will definitely be picking your brain um might be a reasonable segue there to talk but about. I, I was just to yeah.
1: say that is a great segue to <laughs> go for it. Stand up paddleboard. So, um, just the background on the project, uh, and maybe listeners will appreciate that. So it was the first month or two of COVID, and um, I have been talking to Craig for years about I want to build my own boat. Mm-hmm. Didn't know what boat it was. Didn't know what to build and. Uh, you've been really great about um, sending me plans <laughs> that yes. you found online.
0: I always feel slightly guilty when I do it, but I also yeah. cackle to myself as I'm doing it. So.
1: Yeah. So, um, so I've always had this sort of dream of building my own boat. My background, by the way, is um, I, I spent 20 years in the Navy. My father was in the Navy. I've been around boats, ships for my entire life. Um, I love the water. In fact, just got back from a vacation on a lake. Spending a week on the lake, it was fantastic. Anyway, so
0: yes. Yeah. By the way, I want to I want to come back to that because okay. <laughs> um, one of the things about you that's really interesting is that you have had some of the most inst- interesting jobs of anybody I know, and uh, they both have to the, the two that I'm thinking about anyway have both to do with um with with the water and boats and ships. Anyway, but let's let's continue on the current thread.
1: Sure. So anyway, it was COVID, and I was. Uh, I will have to admit this. I was strumming through Facebook and there was an ad and it <laughs> said, build your own hollow core wooden um, stand up paddleboard. And I clicked yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I've been getting ads ever since. But anyway, um, so what is this company in um, uh, Austin, Texas called Jarvis Boards, who will sell you anything from plans to the full kit of to assemble a stand-up paddleboard, I kind of went the uh, uh, more minimalist, but not completely minimalist route. So, I did not just buy the plans, and I mean, you could buy actually the um, the uh, the files, and then you have to go find a a printer, mm-hmm. and then you have to, or you can load it into a CNC cutter if you have it. I didn't have any of that stuff, so what I did is I I bought from Jarvis Boards um, the skeleton, the frame for the board. Uh, it's made of uh, thin plywood and comes in. It just it looks kind of like a if you've ever seen the uh, a, a cutaway of a wing of an airplane mm. where it has a bunch of spreaders and a sort of a backbone that goes down the middle. So anyway, and then they send you what they say is a a how-to manual. Um, It's minimalist as well. Uh, I mean, it kind of tells you the order in which you should assemble this thing and sort of what you need for the basics. But there's a lot missing. If you wanted a step-by-step detailed instructions on how to assemble this wooden paddleboard, it's not there. But to me, it's awesome because it's getting back to sort of the theme of, of this podcast is it was, it's about learning.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, um, and, and what I've discovered is the theme of this project is again, bending wood is mm-hmm. curving wood, which has been the opposite of, of, of what I've done before, the rectilinear type stuff. And so uh, how you build this thing, you, you kind of put the frame together and, and the, the frame is pretty brilliant. They, um, in their design, they left tabs on the wood frame so that when you assemble it, it has the, the tabs are a different length. So it gives the natural rocker the sort of the, the curve of a surf, of a paddleboard, surfboard, if you will. I see. If that makes any sense. So. Yes,
0: it does to me at least.
1: Yeah. So what you do is you assemble the frame. And then it's kind of sitting on these tabs below it that give it the curve. And then you build the top deck, um, by, and what, so, um, what they recommend is, uh, strips of, of wood, of light wood, uh, three, five eighths of inch thick. Um, and you just lay it down strip by strip and they recommend using as light a wood as possible. It is a, a vessel. Um, Oh, light is in weight, not as in l- color. It, yes, gotcha. Yeah, exactly. So what I did was, I but I wanted, of course, spruce it up a little bit. So I bought. Um, my intention actually was to use some of the spare wood from the cherry wood table as sort of the um, trim or highlight of it. But there's a there's an interesting little wood uh, distributor <laughs> around here called Vienna Hardwoods, which yes. um, you can find nothing but the guy, the old guy behind the desk can find it for you. Um, and it's all, it, it's, it's a little bit scary yeah. Um, in there. They used to be in another location, which was tremendously scary. They moved to a new location, which I thought would be, they would be more organized. They're slightly more organized, but not Yeah, this much.
0: place is like, is like a caricature of the, you know, it's just stacks and stacks and stacks of wood with no apparent, or at least the last time I was there with no apparent Rhyme or reason, right? Yeah. and you might say, "Oh, there's an interesting board down here, um, but it's under seven thousand pounds of wood on top of it." <laughs> and yeah, good luck.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, I went over there and I found purple heart, which is this. Um, yes, I, I think it's a comes from jungle somewhere. It's a
0: tropical hardwood. It's yeah, a tropical it's hardwood. Exotic. Yep, and it is and literally purple.
1: It is literally purple. Requires no staining to get a purple look, and it is it's cool. It's very um, cool looking. yeah, But it's super heavy. Um, yep. yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I like had a lot to use of the it.
0: Charles tropical hardwoods are like crazy dense. Like you yes, would think you're yeah. holding a bar of iron.
1: Yeah. And, um, so I had to use it very sparingly. And so I trimmed it off with some, uh, on either side, just a little trim of walnut. And then the main board is covered in cedar. So strips of cedar, which is both light and pliable. Um, and looks good too. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a lot of knots in it, so it takes you know it's really takes a lot of work to sort of get the right pieces of wood. But anyway, so what I've learned is you know there's a couple ways to bend wood. Um, what I call the first way is the brute force method, which is clamp it to something that has the curve you want and glue it, and let it sit <laughs> and just mm-hmm. let the glue do all the work. And that worked great for the top deck um, because it's relatively – the clamp and glue works well um, if it's not too much of a curve and, it's, um, and also you have thin strips of wood hmm. or, or fairly pliable wood. Um, and that worked really well, and I did some – sanded it down. Boy, it looked great. But then it came to the, the edges – which I guess on a surfboard is called the rails. Um, and so I had to glue um, or put wood kind of now, instead of being a deck, it's kind of on the, on the sides. And as you can imagine a surfboard, even a very large one, like a stand-up stand-up paddleboard towards the, I'll call it the bow, because I'm a nautical person and the stern, it, the, the curve gets very radical. So imagine you're building the sides of a ship, and as it curves around towards the bow, you, you know, it's, it's a very pretty radical curve or a radical bend in the wood. If I'm mm-hmm. explaining it very clearly. Um, and you know, the, the clamp and glue method had worked great for me for the top deck. And so that's what I tried. And that was my big, that was a failure. I'll say did for it, a couple of reasons. Bra- oh yeah, go ahead. It didn't break. Um, there was a couple issues. One is, um, so number one is I tried to use walnut on it. And the first board I used was just too thick. Mm. Um, and so bending was hard. And so in clamping, the problem is, is you're trying to clamp on a curve. Um, you know, if you're not doing much, much of a curve, it's pretty easy to just uh, a straight clamp on a straight, uh, on something flat. And then you kind of pull the, the curve down. Um, but if you the opposite side of your clamp is also curved um, it was extremely difficult to get it to 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 clamp down and so I would clamp one side and then clamp the other and the other clamp would get loose and it was just it was a mess mm-hmm. and so it just wasn't a very smooth curve and so I started doing research okay what are the other ways of bending wood and uh, you know I I think you mentioned this. I have another friend who's built boats, and they say, well, you could steam the wood. So, oh, boy, that sounds – so one of my, two of my biggest failings in any project is uh, lack of patience and cheapness. Yeah, I hear <laughs> you. you know, know both so counts. I rush uh, – I, I do the rush job instead of really thinking it through, and then I also go cheap, whether it be on tools or you name it. Um, And what that ends up being is I end up having to do it again. And so the lack of patience was utterly wasted. Uh, It's just wasted energy. And then the cheapness, I end up either buying other tools or having to compensate for the cheapness of whatever it is I'm doing. Well, hey, you got smarter, though. Ah, Definitely. definitely. Although (laughs) this is a lesson that I seem to continue to have to relearn. I don't know why. Be patient. be patient and buy quality tools. Is a is
0: yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I think so. Um, so first of all, patience. Yes, like for sure. Like that's a thing that I struggle with a lot, and a thing that um, I'm gonna apparently mention this every single show. But I have a, a sign on the door of my shop that says "slow," right? And it's really, it's really meant to be like you know, it, it means a lot of things. But one of the things it means is is don't be in a hurry. There's no like it's a hobby, right? Like there's no mm-hmm. if, if you go if it takes if it takes us two years to build the table, we could look at that as either being a failure because it should I'm using air quotes here should have been done <laughs> in less time, or we could look and I go, man, that was a great way to spend you know some weekends for two years, right? And I'm trying myself to, to look at it more in the in the second way to look at it as as the the time that goes in. It doesn't need to produce yes, yeah. a, a completed thing, you know, every, I'm not charging by the hour, right? Like, yeah. or, or maybe I am charging by the hour, but it's, it's, I'm, I'm charging myself by the hour, if that makes any sense. So like I get, I can either get, I guess the way to put it is I can either get one hour of pleasure out of every hour, or if I'm trying to hurry, I can get 20 minutes of pleasure out of every hour that I put in. Like, cause if you're exactly. in a hurry, you're like, oh, I'm not doing, I'm not done, I'm not doing it. So anyway, I'm, I'm, like, I, like I said, uh, any listener that's listened to the podcast before has heard me talk about this already, I won't belabor the point, but I totally hear you on the, on the patience front. On the cheapness front, that's an interesting one for hobbyists like us, mm-hmm. right? Because when you go out and you read tool reviews, sometimes they're written from the perspective of a person who's going to be using this to make a living and they're going to use it, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 hours a week. And there's guys like us, So I have a compressor. How often do I turn my compressor on? Eh, five, six times a year, you know, how good does it have to be?
1: That's those are great points because so I bought as part of this project, I bought a bunch of bar clamps, and most of them are pretty cheap, and they are fine. Right. Um, You know, a, a professional woodworker would probably um cringe, but they are fine. On the other hand, I would say when it comes to hand planes, buy the best one you can afford. Yeah. Because the difference in a, a quality hand plane is 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 tremendous. Yeah. Um, I have this tiny Lee Nielsen uh little it's oh it's you could call it a box plane, but it's even smaller than that. But it's my, my little Ferrari. You know, I could afford that's the what I could afford. <laughs> yeah, it's um, beautiful. You know, and I love that little thing and it, and it works just perfectly for these little type of, type of jobs, but yeah. So that's, that's a great point is there are things that, um, yeah, kind of going the amateur route or amateur tools is just perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, and, and then there are other things that just, and that's kind of, it's funny. It's, that's part of the learning process as well. It's what, where do you need to, right. to focus, uh, you know, eat and, and because if you if you buy a quality tool you're i think you're more than likely going to use it again um if it's if it's a tool that you know it's not a one project tool yeah right um so anyway um so uh so okay should i so back to the the um stand up paddleboard? how should i try this steaming thing <laughs> <laughs> And sure, you can go online, um, of course, and there's plenty of folks who share their experience, bad and good, about how to steam wood. And it's you know, the, in the age of YouTube, it's fantastic. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I might have been able to find this in a book somewhere, but yeah, um, maybe, maybe, yeah. So uh, I say, okay, I'm going to try this. And you can buy the the hardest part of a steam box. Uh, a box in which you can and I'm using that term loosely. You'll understand why in a second. The hardest part of a steam box is generating steam. Mm-hmm. How do you, what do you use to generate the steam? And there are kits you can buy online um, that are meant to be a hobbyist steam box or a steam generator for a steam box. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, these are a hundred dollars, and I'm cheap. I mentioned this. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, a hundred bucks for you know. I don't know how much I'm. I am going to steam wood really even after this project um but a hundred bucks oh man but i was happened to remember that years ago my uh, my wife had bought a clothes steamer like it's this this stand which has a tank at the bottom it creates steam that you can take wrinkles out of clothes never worked very well and eventually it ended up just in our basement storage area Mm -hmm. and i've been meaning for years to throw it out or give it away or something but luckily, I hadn't,
2: <laughs> and yeah. it
1: dawned on me: Ah, I have a steam generator that I don't have to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, and sure enough, um, it worked um, with a little bit of um, with a little bit of <laughs>
0: uh, modification. You're going to say duct tape, aren't you?
1: I I did actually at one point <laughs> use duct tape. Um, yes. Duct tape didn't hold too long, but no, but it was it actually helped me like figure out what was wrong there, So there's this little um, it allows, it keeps it from overheating if or running. What it's really meant for is if you run out of water, I see, it doesn't right. burn itself up. But, um, I learned online once again, that this particular model of closed steamer, that switch is wonky and it, uh, um, it, it just randomly, trips
0: yeah well i mean the first rule of bodging anything together is clearly <laughs> to disable all the safety features right well
1: exactly and that's yeah. where the that's where the duct tape came in Is i tried right. to duct tape this little oh. switch open. Oh.
0: now oh, i knew you had used the steamer but i did not know that you duct tape the safety so, feature that is fantastic
1: yeah so for for listeners out there one thing i promised myself is uh, number one is i would always i would never walk away from it so that that when when the water if the water ever ran out it wouldn't burn the house down because i duct taped the the uh heat switch on so anyway i actually kind of um didn't end up using the duct tape i just figured out how to get the heat switch to reset um it still goes off randomly but it'll reset as long as you got water in it so i do so anyway So how I, um, again, online, you will find how to build a box. So you have the steam generator and then you have a box, which is generally a long, narrow box. Um, Most people build it out of wood that you put your wood that you want to bend into. Um, I was cheap and impatient. So instead of building a wooden box, I just got a um, four-inch PVC pipe mm-hmm. and, and two end caps. And then I, I um, epoxied the um, steamer hose, took the steamer. There was a steamer, like wand to use on your clothes, took that off. And um, there was nice kind of um, uh, connection there and just epoxied that to one end of the steam box and, and used the other end as where I put the wood in. So anyway, um, so I've tried it a couple times. And the first time, um, what you learn from Steambox is um, when you pull something out of the steam box to go ahead and bend it, you have about 30 seconds to clamp and it's it. it's hot, right? And it is hot. So you have to wear gloves, and you have to put it onto your form. In my case, the board itself, the the stand-up paddleboard itself, the edge of the stand-up paddleboard is my form. Mm-hmm. But most folks, if they're doing this on a regular basis, will build like a, a jig in which they bend the wood around. So let's say you were building like a a, a ski for a sleigh and you want sort of the front of the, the, tr- of the ski to sort of curve up mm-hmm. like a traditional... You you build a form in which you'd clamp that, bend it around and clamp it to. But I'm just using the the edge of my um, uh, board to do it. But anyway, the first attempt I had at it, um, this was where clamping came in. I thought, well, I'll just use, I have some uh, nylon straps that I can cinch down. And so Mm -hmm. if you can imagine this, I have the board sitting on its edge. And then I'm uh, applying the wood on the opposite edge. So opposite side. And then I figured, and I built a little framework that it sits on top of. And then this, this strap goes up and over thought it would work great. Well, problem is the clamping with straps takes time. Ah. And by the time I had all the straps, my first experiment, I pulled the board out, I put it on and I knew I had limited time. By the time I had all the straps down, it was probably two minutes. (laughs) <laughs> and so um when you well, another thing I learned about bending wood is if you're doing the steaming method mm-hmm. is no matter how much you bend it it will bend back a little bit. Spring back I think S- it's called. Spring back exactly. Yeah. So um so part of the problem with using my board as a form is that it's it's never going to be perfect um because if you sure. really wanted to do it you would want to you'd find a form that that um is a little bit more radical than the actual curve you want. So that way it springs back. Anyway.
0: So, So, sorry, I got to ask you, I don't think I've asked you this before. When you, when you pull it out of the steam box I mean, we all kind of think of, you know, wood as being a relatively rigid material, obviously if you make it thin, it can be, you know, more flexible, but like when you pull it out of the steam box, I mean, how is it a noodle? Is it like noticeably more bendy? Like, well, how much does it make a difference? Is it a lot or is it more subtle?
1: Um I I say very subtle.
0: Oh, okay. Um and it
1: could be uh the type of wood I'm using. So I'm using cedar again. Mm-hmm. Um which if I read correctly actually hardwoods are better than
0: I've heard ash is an ideal or can be a good wood for um
1: yeah for steam I heard, bending.
0: I heard that too. Which is very hard.
1: Yeah. So it could be the wood I'm using. I okay. don't know. One of the things I've done, and this is, again, just a recommendation from people who have done it before, is I soak the wood um, for a good day ahead of time. So I have another uh, tube, mm-hmm. another um, PVC, four-inch PVC pipe that I, I put the piece of wood in, soak it for a day, and then shove it in the steam box. And when I pull it out, I would say it's a little more flexible than... Um, pull it out of the bath or the steam box excuse me pull it out of the steam box okay yep Uh, to answer your original question i think it's a little more flexible it certainly feels that way um but it's not it's not a noodle it's not a wet noodle and to be honest i'm usually trying to go so fast (laughs) because i have 30 seconds that i've never sort of i've never sort of stopped to see well how much more flexible is it i will say i'm sorry no please go ahead no, I will say that I, you know, from a clamping standpoint, it, I, I'm fighting it a lot less mm. than when I was, when I was sort of dry clamping it.
0: Um, uh, yeah. The thing I was going to say is, you know, we, I, you know, when you've been, I've heard, you know, some, I haven't, there's interesting new details you're you're telling me that I hadn't heard before, but you know, we've talked a little bit about this when we've gotten together and um, the thing I've said to you several times is, man, it's too bad that we can't be in each other's houses right now, or, or at least couldn't at the time. Um because this is a great example of, I think what we were talking about earlier, where it's, there are certain jobs that are more than twice as good with two people. And this, yes. <laughs> this sure sounds like
1: one of them. You know, if you, if you look again, if you go online and you, you sh- see somebody who's showing how to bend wood more often than not, there's somebody there when they pull <laughs> right. the wood out to help them clamp. Yep. Um, so the first one was a little bit of a, a uh, a, I would say a fail attempt, um, but it was a good learning experience. So mm-hmm. the next time, um, I, I went strictly with bar clamps. And part of the hard part with bar clamp, when you're trying to clamp, again, wood at an angle, is how do you, what do you clamp to that, that helps meet that angle? Right. And um, an idea that I saw that has worked great is instead of trying to clamp it to um, the frame that I have built, it's a 2 by 4 frame. I drilled holes in the two-by-four uh, frame, and it's hard to imagine. I wish I could show a picture, but that that one end of the clamp goes in the hole, and the other end of the clamp goes in is what's clamping the the bent wood surface. And what sure. that does is, no matter what angle you're at, the hole is is providing your is is providing a surface to clamp against right, and right. It's, it's a, it's ter- I'm doing a terrible job. No, no, explaining. I, I
0: can picture it. Well, we can also post a picture on the, when, on the show notes. When I put it up, we can uh, get a picture of that. As you can, people that are having a hard time uh, visualizing it, come back to the site and take a look, but I am following you.
1: So anyway, that's a, that's a trick. And so my second effort, um, was, uh, you know, a, a, a huge advancement, um, So, and what I, I've done is I, I bend it first, uh, and, and hold it clamped in the bend position. And then I go back and glue it or take all the clamps off, apply the glue and then re-glue it back down. And again, with that spring back, it's not a perfect, I'm not just laying it there and gluing it on. I still have to re-clamp it, but I'm fighting the wood a lot less because I'm trying to bend it half an inch, not eight inches <laughs> right um, yeah so in and as we all know you know just that's the clamp will do that um, spectacularly so so anyway it's been fun um that's where i'm at right now yeah um i have not finished the rails yet um but by the time i finish i'll be good at this <laughs> so you have more
0: steaming yeah yeah exactly well that's <laughs> the way it works right um, and so you have more. You have more uh, boards. You just need to steam and bend in place. Is that correct? Yep.
1: So I have. Uh, I've applied uh, three, and I have three more to go. Awesome. So, and you know, each each step is, is another is another step in that direction. So yeah. it's been it's you know it's fun. Um, so uh, um, it's been a great project.
0: Yeah, really cool. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to, um, you know, I've only sort of seen pictures of the, uh, of what you've done so far. And, uh, like, like I say, we can, if you, if you are willing to share, we can put some of those up on the, uh, the sure. post for the yeah. show. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing the finished project. I think, you know, the, 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 accents that you've added with the purple heart and the, you know, what you've done, just the natural variation in the grain of the, wood. it's going to look really
1: pretty. I think. Well, I I hope so. What I'm looking forward to with some trepidation is the float test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's a it's a bit it's a tad heavy, but I haven't done finished sanding it all down, so that'll actually take some weight off. Um, but it's a tad heavy, so I'm hoping that it's a a paddleboard and not a submarine. Right. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, it'll look good mounted on a wall if, if, you, if, <laughs> if, if it comes to that, if you have to do that, but I, exactly. I think it'll float. I, I feel like you've been, you know, you've been describing to me and, you know, I there's plenty of guidance, like you said, from the from the company. There's every reason to think it'll prove um waterworthy.
1: I hope so. I hope so. I, I intend to use it. Um, uh, you know, it's not a piece of art, so uh, we'll see how it goes. Cool. So Yeah, yeah.
0: Awesome. Um, that is so cool. I, so I'm, I'm just, I, I really, I really do want to talk about your, your jobs. You have said had such a really interesting career. It, it's, a, uh, our set of careers really like your time in the, in the Navy. Um, mm-hmm. you've told me some great stories there and your, your current job actually is also super interesting. So Andrew is a, um, an investigator for the NTSB, the national transportation safety board, uh, a lot of people are probably more familiar with them for their work investigating um, uh, airplane crashes, but the NTSB actually also investigates maritime accidents, and that is a- Andrew's job. So when there's like a significant, um, you know, incident with a involving a, a ship of some kind, you will you will go travel there and try to figure out what happened. Um, mm-hmm. I, so you know, I mean, there's a ton we could talk about there. I wonder if there's any. Maybe maybe start with this question. Like when you tell people what you do, or talk about <laughs> what you've done in the Navy, what what types of things do people want to know. Maybe we can just use that to kind of drive uh, a little bit of. Because I just think it's really interesting. <coughs> and I want to I want to share it with people.
1: Well, thanks. Um, so I I've had two of the best jobs in the world. I really have. Um, uh, my current job, as you said, at the NTSB as a, as a marine accident investigator, and then my time in the Navy. It's just. Um, I've just been very lucky to have really cool jobs. Um, but uh, I guess starting with the NTSB, um, my daughter asked me kind of, how would you describe your job? And I I fumbled around for a while and she said, well, so you're kind of like a detective. And I said, yeah, that's exactly it. <clears throat> you know, I'm an accident detective. And, um, you know, it's, it's an uh, amazing job. I, I, for a brief period between my uh, Navy career and my NTSB career, I worked at a university in something completely unrelated to uh, ships and boats and stuff. And um, yeah, you did med- that
0: boring crap that I do, right? Manage computers.
1: <laughs> well, I was, I was, well, I was uh, the administrative officer for the people that manage computers. So, um, administrator. Administrat- no, nobody. <laughs> Nobody ever got excited about being an administrative officer, <laughs> um, and I and I apologize to all administrative officers out there because I know you do a lot of work. Uh, I of I will
0: you know you know let's just cover our bases here. I, I greatly appreciate all of the people that I have worked for that have been good to work for, and I'm I'm sure that you were one of those, and so that's cool. But yeah, let's talk about the other things.
1: <laughs> yeah. So and and basically, I got I got I missed being around ships and mm. and sailors. In the navy call them sailors it's uh, in the um, commercial industry it could be anywhere from mariners to fishermen to um you know you name it it depends on sort of the the niche of industry within the greater commercial hmm. shipping industry but um i just missed being around and like i said ships and sailors mm-hmm. and so i've had that opportunity uh to get back to being around ships and sailors now i'll say I'm an accident investigator, so unlike when I was in the Navy, people aren't glad when I'm there. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, they're not happy to see me when I show up, but it's a tremendously satisfying job because the whole intent of the uh, NTSB is to prevent future accidents. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the the legal ease of the NTSB, we are we are not assigning liability or blame. It's all about figuring out what happened and making recommendations to prevent future accidents. And that's a tremendously satisfying thing to be involved in.
0: Yes, this is so sorry, just a a side note here. This sort of, this is a really, really interesting um, uh, thing. Like if you look, so there's a great podcast that I highly recommend to anybody. It's called The Professionals Playbook. It's actually um, by a F-35 fighter pilot for the Air Force. Mm -hmm. Um, And he often talks to fighter pilots, but not always. Today he was talking, uh, the episode I was listening to today, at least, Uh, He was talking to uh, a person who is involved in the field of industrial robotics, but the premise of the show is, you know, sort of people who are performing at the very peak of their ability, right? Who are who are trying to be the best that they can, who are trying to be world class. And you know, you look at the NTSB and you look at aviation, and particularly look at uh, military aviation. I think is especially this way. And you've had some contact with Mm -hmm. military aviation. They are Pretty ruthless about um, reviewing what happened. Like every mm-hmm. mission for a fighter pilot, is, you know. I've had my own kind of different contact with the fighter pilot community through my hobby as a flight a combat flight sim enthusiast. But anyway, you know the, that the idea of the um, the debrief where you actually go over everything and nothing's off the table. Like anybody can call any decision into question, but it's not about. It's not about blame. It's about discovering ways to improve. And I think if you look in uh, in software, and I, I I suspect I don't know, but I suspect that a lot of my uh, listeners are, you know, people that have a professional experience of software. You see this a lot there too, uh, in some ways, where you look at some of the um, the methodologies that are part of the broader agile uh, flavor, where there's this this notion of um, feedback loops, right? Positive mm-hmm. feedback loops where. You know, you bring information about what is happening, good or bad, back into the decision um, uh, process as often as possible, so that you can, you know, uh, hill climb. I really I guess, is it, in in the optimization sense, your way towards a better solution more quickly. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I just find that, like, I mean, you want to talk about, you know, learning and 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 making things and getting better and stuff. I think, you know, what you're involved in is is that. Is that right? Is like, is right. like the, yeah. we have to do this. We have to look at the mistakes and figure out like how can we do better, and then act on them. Obviously, that's the important part. Um, you yeah. know, not beyond just learning. Anyway, so sorry, it's just a no. super interesting side note. I think.
1: Well, you know, you you touch on something. I think the aviation community, and I'll say that very broadly, everyone from you know airline pilots to mm-hmm. commercial aviation to military, they are better than that than I think any other yep. or um, industry, if you will. And it's because the consequences are so great for failure. Um, so they are much better at the uh, self-evaluation um, in the military in particular, whenever there's an, an airplane crash, there are two investigations that happen. There's a safety investigation and a... A, a performance as we'll call it a performance investigation and the safety investigation and the performance investigation are completely separate. Hmm. And the intent is, and they, the, you know, you might say a finding of fault but when I say performance about um, investigation. Mm-hmm. The intent is the safety investigation is all about figuring out what happened and preventing it from happening again. And there's no repercussions. None of that evidence is used to prosecute somebody, um, and so, the, you know, again, the, in the the output of that is a safer um, aviation. All the other transportation industries in particular have tried to adopt that um, to varying levels of success. So one of the things in aviation that's um, a very uh, you know, institutionalized thing is called cockpit resource management. So there's... a a captain of the airplane, there's a first officer and maybe an engineer, depending on the airplane. Well, cockpit research management says every, every piece of information needs to be part of the, you have to use everything to understand a situation. And that includes if somebody who is the junior person in that trio or whatever see something wrong, they not only should speak up, they have an obligation to speak up. Mm-hmm. They are, they required to, and there are, um, accidents where, you know, tragedy has been either mitigated or prevented as a whole because the junior person spoke up and uh, in the Marine industry, um, they've They've tried to adopt that. It's called bridge resource management. But one of the things that the marine industry is fights is tradition. Right. Now, aviation is a hundred years old, a little less than a hundred, or a little more than a hundred years old. Now, seafaring and the the role of the captain is thousands of years old. Right. Yeah. And this this um, sense that the captain knows all. Um, and should not be questioned, um, knows all sees all and something that you really, it, it takes some effort to challenge that, um, it, in the military and the Navy where I came from, that's even more, uh, potentially difficult when you have actual rank involved. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, a, a great running bridge on a, on a ship or a great running cockpit in an airplane is, um, Um, dependent on everyone sort of contributing no matter what their, what their um, level of seniority or experience, whichever. So a little bit of a tangent and I'm sorry, but that's kind of interesting. That really is the role of the NTSB is just, is to, you know, to do this. um, It's, um, you know, how can we do this? Think of this. How can we do this better um, the next time? Um, You know, I have a, a tragedy on this side, but okay. How do we prevent it? And and um, you know, and again, I'll, I'll go to aviation again. Um, relatively speaking, there are almost no major um, airline accidents anymore. Yeah, um, there hasn't been and, and, and
0: one for a U.S. carrier in I want to say twelve years.
1: Yeah, I mean, there there's some. There was an engine cowling that fell off on an airplane. Uh, a couple months ago, there was one where a, a engine seemed to be the difficulty right now, but bottom line is the, between avionics and training um, of crew, uh, we've the safety of, of, of aviation of commercial airline aviation is just tremendous. Yeah. And so, um, and that's not just the NTSB that's many, many other sure uh, entities, but that's one of the functions. So anyway, it's a, going back to my role, it's just a tremendously satisfying role, uh, or satisfying job. But I don't know, maybe your listeners, maybe the listeners would be interested in knowing what the NTSB is. Um, because it's amazing now that I've worked at the NTSB, how many times, uh, watching the nightly news, I'm a person who still watches the nightly news, one of the few, but that the NTSB is quoted or mentioned, or, uh, you know, the NTSB is investigating, um, most of the time it's aviation related, but not always. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's interesting. It's an independent organization, complete. It's not part of the Department of Transportation. I mean, the chairman oh. of the NTSB reports notionally to the president.
0: I, d- I did not know that. I, I, maybe you've told me before, but I completely, that is surprising.
1: Yeah, it's completely independent. Um, and yet there is only about 400 employees total. So imagine this this organization that is in the news regularly reports direct and only has four hundred employees. Mm-hmm. I my previous career being in the navy, the Department of Defense has hundreds of thousands of employees. <laughs> right. So it's it's a fascinating little organization. But um,
0: I mean, you've been on ships that had more than four hundred people on them.
1: I have. Yeah. 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 Um, so. Uh, um. The people that go out into the field and do the investigating generally are people who have an expertise in that form of transportation. So, for instance, again, myself, I spent 20 years driving ships in the Navy, um, mostly on destroyers. Uh, You mentioned a ship with more than 400 people. I was assigned to an aircraft carrier or at least a staff embarked on an aircraft carrier. Another totally different (laughs) part of the Navy. Yeah,
0: super interesting. We could talk. We'll we'll maybe come back to that, but go ahead.
1: But most of the folks uh, in our office um, are either former ship captains, whether it be commercial or um, otherwise, or um, chief engineers on ships. In the aviation side, it's yeah, former pilots and stuff like that. Um, but then there's a whole other section of the NTSB, which I really think is where the NTSB's true uh, benefit is, and that's in the research and engineering uh,
2: hmm.
1: department. And that includes people who are everywhere from physicists, motion, you know, f- know understand motion, such like that, to, a, I mean, down to, to, um, you know, doing the little, literal physics of hyd- hydrodynamics, for instance. Oh, okay, in interesting. Case, to, uh, of course, metallurgists uh, who can look at failure. Sure. Uh, you know, metal failure and stuff like <laughs> fatigue.
0: It's Q. Yeah, yeah, and all <laughs> from these from the
1: James Bond movies. Yeah, yeah. So there's all these folks who really are. That's where the expertise is. I mean, what what us field folks do is we bring the we sort of understand the business mm-hmm. so that we can explain it to the scientists who can then help us figure out where a failure happened. Um, so and it it's so it's fascinating in that regard not everything is a um uh you know not everything comes down to science there is still some human error involved in transportation accidents there always will be um it's interesting i had we had a uh one of the fields uh in the- in n t s b is called human performance and um it, one of our human performance experts who's uh since retired but was a phd and had published a number of papers in human performance and we were talking about autonomous vehicles and he's he said to me um i i mentioned that you know you know self-driving cars maybe will have fewer accidents he said we won't have fewer accidents we'll just have different accidents <laughs> and uh you know he's he's kind of kind of a cynical viewpoint but it's it's quite interesting that uh you know, that may be true. We, we may be, we'll, we'll probably not go out of business anytime soon. Yeah, NTSB, for sure. But we'll probably be doing different, um, yeah. you know, types of accidents. Certainly, um, are, there is a, uh, called highway division in the NTSB and, um, they've been looking at, uh, you know, self-driving cars, autonomous cars, uh, misuse of, so called self driving cars <laughs> you can you can read the headlines, but um <laughs> um you know that that was a field that didn't exist fifteen years sure. ago yeah um, that now the n t s b is investigating one of the other fascinating things the n t s b investigated um, a couple of years ago now, i think it was about five years ago now was um spaceship one i think it was called yeah um the uh the uh, one uh commercial spacecraft that broke apart. And, uh, you know, again, a field that did not, uh, part of right. the NTSBs sort of realm that did not exist 15 years ago. So it's fascinating work. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a neat place to work. Um, so I, I do enjoy it. So <laughs> thanks for yeah. letting me talk about it.
0: Oh, <laughs> no, not at all. It's, I think it's, like I said, I think you have had some of the most interesting jobs of, of anybody I know. I, I mean, I do know other people with really interesting jobs as well, but you're certainly way up there. Um, You've actually gotten a chance to work on some rather high profile um, uh, accidents. There was, I mean, I'll, I'll let you decide whether there's one of those or whatever that you might be worth mentioning. You could talk a little bit about how that, how that
1: went. Sure. Well, um, many listeners may be familiar with um, in 2019, Labor Day week in 2019, there was a, a, a recreational dive boat. It was called the Conception. Which caught fire. It was operating in the Channel Islands, in right. of California, and sadly, um, thirty-four people died yeah. in that accident. It was terrible. And um, up until um, a couple of years back, there was a, a fairly um, a well-known accident in which a, a cargo ship sank. It was called the El Faro, and thirty-three people died in that accident. And it was considered the worst marine accident, maritime accident in. 30 years. Well, this 75 foot dive boat in terms of the human cost, 34 people died. So it Mm. was more costly. And yet it was again, a 75 foot wooden dive boat. Um, and, um, we did not determine exactly what started the fire. Fire started in the middle of the night and everyone was asleep, uh, including the crew, which was a problem. Um, but um, one of the potential ignition sources was uh, lithium batteries or rechargeable batteries. Mm. The um, so in diving, just like everything else, has been revolutionized by uh, battery technology. And so, the night before the fire or the evening of the fire, the fire happened uh, in the early morning hours. Uh, they had done a night dive. The the recreational divers that were on this boat and they the cameras and the flashlights that they now use for night diving are all LED with lithium batteries are sure. rechargeable and so after they came up from their dive they plugged all their batteries in and they tended on this boat to plug all their all their stuff in at one or two spots in the um they call it the um the galley but it was sort of the lounge and, and eating area on this on this vessel and the unfortunate thing was um this the um sleeping area the birthing area was below this uh, salon and both escape routes from the sleeping area went through the salon like the only way to escape was through the salon and that's where the fire started so there was no escape um but again, sort of, you know, the interesting thing um, from a technology standpoint, of course, is the, um, you know, this could have could very well have been a, a lithium battery sure. um, in whether it was a, you know, runaway battery or something like that or, or not. We don't know. It was too far destroyed to, to know. But it was a it was a possibility. So um, unfortunately, yeah,
0: the, 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 the joke, I mean, it's a very serious subject, but the joke I have made at various points in the past is you know what the difference between a battery and a bomb is don't you not much <laughs> yeah <Right>? yeah <laughs> one yeah. is a device for storing high amounts of energy as as uh in chemical bonds and the other one is the same thing
2: yeah <laughs>
1: yeah yeah so anyway it was very sad and yeah. um the um the unfortunate part was in the part that i investigated my my background is operations uh in the maritime world you call Mm -hmm. it a a deck officer and um very standard that you always somebody's always standing a watch um which i think everyone would know the term what a watch is but somebody's Mm -hmm. always awake and alert and unfortunately on that night nobody was and so what might have been what might have been able to sound the alarm by the time anyone woke up the fire was too far gone so So anyway, I have to, uh, I got to tell you, uh, um, so that, that was a a very sad story. I have to tell you a somewhat funny story of another accident and it's funny because nobody really got seriously injured. Um, so there was this, uh, I'll call it a ferry cruise ship. Um, it was a ferry could carry vehicles, but also kind of a a cruise ship, but it operated between the Dominican Republic and San Juan, Puerto Rico. Mm. And, um, It was pulling into, almost getting ready to pull into San Juan, a couple miles off the coast of San Juan. And um, a fire started in the engine room. Um, Could have happened in several ways. But anyway, a fire is not a, a fire is very dangerous on a vessel because there's nowhere to escape. Um, But it's not a, um, everyone is trained in firefighting and such like that. Mm, I see. So anyway this fire started in the engine room and the captain who was um European background uh spoke English but it was more comfortable in his native European language most of the um some lower crew and all of the passengers were Spanish speakers so he decided because there was smoke starting to form in the the passenger areas. So people were getting worried, decided to go ahead and make an announcement that there was a fire. Um, and they had a, a, a script for this kind of thing mm-hmm. that the, there's a fire. The crew has got it under control. Don't worry. Don't, don't panic. And they had the scripts. Uh, all the scripts were uh, in English and in Spanish. So they had an English speaker to make this announcement over the public address systems, fire, in the engine room, but don't worry. A crew has it under control. And then he passed it to the Spanish speaker who, instead of, um, speaking the same script in Spanish, skipped down to the next announcement, which oh. was the fire is out of control. Everybody <laughs> abandoned ship.
0: <laughs> ship! Oh, no.
1: <laughs> so the, uh, crew who was fighting the fire heard this, uh, and said, okay. So they put down their fire hoses and, walked out (laughs) so the firefighting stopped so uh anyway luckily this vessel was three miles from the from san juan and put out a a mayday and all of san juan who owned a boat headed out good (laughs) good samaritan vessels tugboats everything and um a lot of goofy things happened for instance uh Cruise ships have something very similar to the inflatable ramps on an airliner that you've probably seen if you've um, listened to the uh, safety brief at the beginning of an airline. Mm -hmm. But the the little uh, ramps, the slides, and uh, cruise ships have the same thing. It's called a um, mass evacuation or marine evacuation system. Anyway, but these are, because it's from the side of a cruise ship, they're much longer slides. But they're these inflatable things, just like on an airplane. Well, they they didn't hadn't trained very well on how to deploy these things. They didn't deploy them very well, and so it didn't inflate correctly. So it's, it kinked right in the middle of the slide. So instead of having a nice, you know, casual I don't know what what angle slide down, people had a a very exciting slide until they got about <laughs> a third way down, and then it stopped. Jeez. And so they, if you can imagine, the slide was in an L shape, and uh, that's where the injuries that there were a couple of twisted and I think there might have been a broken ankle from the, the, um, the very adventurous slide that, uh, many of the passengers got. But, uh, luckily, um, and amazingly, this vessel just drifted and there's rocks, rocky shoals all over, you know, that area, but somehow this ship just sort of drifted onto a nice sandy sand bar and so, three days later, they just, they, they just kind of towed it. The fire continued to burn, but they just kind of towed it into port. And some firefighters from shore put the fire out, and that was it. It, um, it's it like just some sort of Gilligan's Island spinoff. It, it was it was a comedy of errors that I don't know how everyone survived, but but thankfully they all did. So in in hindsight, it was it was um, it, you know it was a comedy of errors yeah. really that. Uh, uh, that this happened so Worst anyway that's
0: amusement park ever
1: <laughs> exactly yeah exactly so you know if you wanted a uh you know a bad episode of the love boat this was it <laughs> there um, <you> go. <laughs> so anyway that was one of the um in hindsight more amusing accidents that yeah. I, I i worked on and, and had fun with so that's good stuff anyway yeah
0: well, Andrew, I, we didn't even get to talk about your time in the Navy. Uh, I will tease people, because we're going to have to have you back on. I will tease people to say that, you know, Andrew actually was the commander of the USS Cole, which I had a chance to tour with him as my personal tour guide, which was every bit as cool as it sounds, and his job uh, was doing that and other things for the Navy. It was also super cool. Maybe we can uh, – not maybe. We should definitely have you back on and talk about that some other time. But I feel like we maybe should um, – I always feel a little bit bad. I feel like somewhere out there, somebody has made their drive home from work and they're sitting in their driveway and they have to go to the bathroom, but they, they want to hear the end of the show. I feel like we should, you know, have a little (laughs) mercy on these people and, uh, and leave some for later as it were, if that makes sense to you. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Well, I do always like to, to pause before we plunge onto the last question and just, and say, Hey, you know, is there anything Else, like I, you know, sometimes like a, uh, a guest will say, oh, yeah, I want to come back to that thing we said, because it would make sense to kind of do that while we're together. So any anything else that we should uh, talk about before we jump on to the, the final question of the show?
1: Oh, boy, I, I can't think of anything right now. But of course, I'll think of something. It's fine. We'll come back on. We'll but do it
0: again. But this is also a lot of fun. Cool. I'm glad you so. think so. All right. Well, I do have one more question for you. I did warn you about it at the beginning of the show. It's the question we always end the show with, which is to ask our guests for a piece of advice. Um, and this can be anything from, uh, you know, advice they were given when they were younger to something they overheard really doesn't matter. Just something you think up on the spot. But, uh, but I always like to ask our guests who are interesting and smart people, uh, what advice they would like to share with our audience.
1: Well, I'm going to give you a story and hopefully I won't bore you. Listeners here, but I doubt um, it
0: based on the so last this hour. <laughs> is,
1: um, <laughs> so I got to tell the story, and it's kind of funny given what we've talked about with my career and such like that. So uh, many years ago, um, I was visiting my parents, and my parents used to own a house on the Erie Canal in upstate New York, and they had a boat on the canal. And I was only going to be there for a very short weekend, and my dad. Former Navy, retired Navy. Me, I was in the Navy at the time. So we were we were boat people, as I've, I think I've made clear. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to go out on the boat on the Erie Canal. And um, I don't know why, but there was a looming storm on the horizon. And my dad and I were just dead set on going out on the boat. And my mom kept saying, I don't know. The weather looks pretty bad. And we're like, ah, don't worry. You know, we, we collectively, we've got 30 years in the Navy. We, we ah, have don't worry. So my mom said, okay. So we all get in the pile in the boat. We drive down the Erie canal, you know, it wasn't more than 15 minutes later. We're in this thundering, lightning mm-hmm. rain deluge that's coming down. And, uh, You know, we, I'm driving the boat. We barely get back without getting struck by lightning. I almost ran into the pier, uh, trying to land the boat as quickly as possible. And, uh, so anyway, we get landed, we get back and, um, we're in the garage of my parents' house. My mom goes in to get us some towels. She didn't say anything (laughs) and, and nor did she even give us a look, but she goes in the house to get some towels. And my dad turns to me and says, Andrew, Marry a smart woman and then make sure you listen to her. <laughs> yes. So my my advice to to listeners is marry somebody smart. And make sure you listen to them.
0: Yes, this is excellent advice. So I, I know your wife very well. I can yep. safely say you have done exactly <laughs> that in marrying. I can't really maybe Likewise. comment on all the listening that may or may not be <laughs> happening. That's something between you and her, I suppose. Certainly, I know that I, uh, on many occasions, would have done better to listen to my very, very intelligent wife.
2: Yes, um, that, uh, That's really, <laughs> really
0: good advice and a good reminder to me to, to try to do that more often. Well, yeah. Andrew, thanks a ton for coming on. I mean, I, I like I said, you were you know on my kind of list of okay, yes, clearly I, this is a person that I want to talk to about you know these things, and um, you know I was not even remotely disappointed. I, I really, really enjoyed our conversation, and I appreciate you come, taking the time to uh, come on and do so today.
1: Well, this was lots of fun. We are, I know you and I always have great conversations yeah. and have a good time. So this was fun, and um, thanks for inviting me. Absolutely.
0: All right, we will close it down there. Uh, Thanks to our listeners, as always, for listening. Uh, This has been Get Smarter and Make Stuff. You have been listening to Get Smarter and Make Stuff. I'm your host, Craig Andera. Visit the show online at getsmarterandmakestuff.com. That's all spelled out, all one word. Go there to subscribe to and comment on the show. Read the blog, view the gallery, and find a link to the Get Smarter and Make Stuff YouTube channel. Come on by. We're also on Twitter at Make Smart Stuff. If you enjoyed the show and feel like sharing with others you think might like it too, I'd certainly appreciate it. Thanks for listening and see you next time.